At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. What's going on? I'm Peter J. Kim, and this is Counter Jam on the Food 52 Podcast Network, the show that celebrates culture through food and music. This episode is about the culture of a quite interesting country. I want you to guess which one. Here's a hint. This song you're listening to is from a group of musicians who are native to the country. Wee, 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 it's France. What? Were you expecting Edith freaking Piaf? This is Landigo, a group from the island of Réunion, which is 100% a part of France. It's just located almost 6,000 miles away from Paris, off the coast of Madagascar. Thank you, colonialism. We're going to dig into French culture with three phenomenal guests. Pastry genius Dominique Ancel, French Top Chef star Maurice Sacco, and one of the most distinguished individuals in my life, Stéphanie Jacquemont, also known as my wife, or as I call her, Mon Chouchou Chéri. First up, let's give this track by Landigo a closer listen. It's from a music genre from the island of La Réunion called Maloya. It features vocal call and response and complex rhythms that originated among enslaved people on the island's sugar plantations. For the enslaved, this style of music was a weapon of resistance, to such a degree that at one point, it was banned by the French government. To my ears, it feels like the music of freedom. Freedom to be and freedom to dance. This is Domun by Landigo. By Landigo. Oh, la belle France. I have strong connections with the country. I learned to speak French in Cameroon and then later did some graduate studies in Paris. I'll never forget when I first arrived in Paris. I had a thick Central African accent. And I got so many befuddled looks from folks who simply couldn't process this American guy who is Asian who speaks French but with a Central African accent. 
Later in life, I met and fell in love with a French woman whom I would eventually marry. We met in Granada, Spain, thanks to flamenco music, and that's a story I'll get into in a forthcoming episode of the show. My point is this. I'm a Francophile. I speak French, I lived in France, I love French culture, my wife is French, and by extension, much of my family is French. So it's my distinct pleasure to pay homage to this culture. And I'd like to lead things off with my favorite French person, my wife. Bonjour, Madame Jacquemont. Bonjour, Monsieur Kim. Such a pleasure to have you. <laughs> it's so weird to have a conversation with you in the same home, but in a different story. Stephanie and I have not been to France in two years. I asked her what food she missed the most. Was it the cheese, the pastries, the wine? Good soy yogurt. <laughs> Doesn't exist here. You remember, you <laughs> yes. tried it. It's really good. I know. Yes, it's good. It's really different from the soy yogurt here. Yeah. yeah. The French have mastered yogurt. Yeah. And the like supermarket, like the, the yogurt um, aisle in a supermarket also, I miss. Each time I go to the yogurt aisle here, I'm like, eh. <laughs> well, it's not so much a yogurt aisle here as a, a yogurt section. Yeah. Whereas... In a French supermarket, it's, it's, it's the whole aisle. It's one or two, yeah. Stephanie is from the north of France, an area called Pas-de-Calais. It's not exactly the sunny, bucolic French countryside of Beauty and the Beast. The north has a bad reputation. Mm. It was mostly well known for unemployment <laughs> and being a gloomy mm. place to, um, to live. It's also not like it's not very sunny. It's not a place people like tourists from overseas would pick because it's not very hot or warm or warm or like sunny. It's rainy. It's <laughs> if you think of London, it's probably something a bit similar in terms of weather. So there's a cultural group in the north called the Shti. These are folks who are from the north and they speak their own language, which is called Shti. To give you an example of how the language is different from French, and I'm going to channel my inner stee here, in Stephanie's family, a story has been passed down about when her great-grandma ate ice cream for the very first time at a relatively old age. And as the story goes, she exclaimed, Va no que c'est froid, mais va no que c'est bon. Which translates in French to, Mon Dieu que c'est froid, mais mon Dieu que c'est bon. Which translates in English to, God, it's cold, but God, it's good. As is the case for so many minority groups around the world who are poorer than the average and have distinctive accents, the Shti are routinely mocked. There was even a hit movie in 2008 about the Shti that basically reduced them all to stereotypes. Well, in French, it's bienvenue chez les Shti. Mm -hmm. I don't know in English what that would translate to. I guess it's welcome to the welcome to Shti country or welcome to the land of mm -hmm. the Shtis. Um, but if I remember correctly, it was like somebody from the south coming up to the north, and then all the Shtis are kind of this like these like country bumpkins, as we say in the U.S., and they're kind of backwards and. But lovably backwards. But very nice people. <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying that I hate that I never use or I use, I use only um, as a joke is like the sun that we don't have in the sky, we have it in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> so cheesy. 
in the land of the shti, one food is queen, and it's not the baguette. It's the potato. To a lot of people,、uh, at least to like, so both my parents were born and raised in farmers' family. That was yes, very, very, very important. Like pretty much every day,、uh, you eat potatoes, and my uncle still eats potatoes. I think every day, my grandfather would eat pro- probably every day, and he would. Almost never eat pasta, for instance. It was just、mm. like potatoes. Rice was acceptable, but potatoes, yeah, potatoes and fries. I mean, when I cook for your parents, I always know that if I can't think of anything else, I just have to throw some potatoes in the oven. And now it's always it's what's really cute is that when it comes out, your your mom in particular will always react with some level of enthusiasm about that. Be like, ooh, potatoes. <laughs> Chef Dominique Ancel. Known by many as one of the world's most wildly creative pastry chefs, is also from potato country in the north. So potatoes was always like the number one、uh, starch in France. So you always put potatoes in your soup, always put potatoes in your meal.、Yeah. <laughs> whichever you,、uh, whichever way you cook it, you always have potatoes. Yeah,、um, I think you might know this, but my wife Steph is from the the north,、uh, Padcale. Yes, not too far. Yeah, yeah, and there's a song that kids sing there. It goes something like "Lundi les patates, mardi les patates, <laughs> mercredi les patates, jeudi les patates, vendredi les patates," and I can't remember how it goes again. But then at the end, it's like it goes, it's go dimanche les patates aussi. Yeah, les patates aussi. No, no, yeah, something like that. Yeah,、um, so if we do if we do potatoes, it's normal. Either you do fries, <laughs> either you like roast them, you boil them, you do mashed potatoes. There's like hundred ways of eating. Potatoes for fresh culture. Like Stephanie, Dominic's hometown would not also have made the cut for Beauty and the Beast. When I tell people I'm from France, they always like picture this like beautiful house, like with like lavender field and、uh, this beautiful landscape. Like, no, I'm not from there. <laughs> not from there. <laughs> I, I grew up from、uh, I grew up in、uh, in the north of、uh, Paris in a small town、yeah. um, called Beauvais.、It、was actually not not very charming. I、uh, grew up in a in a project.、Uh, this is where I used to live with my all my siblings. I have、uh, three siblings.、Uh, my dad worked in a factory.、Uh, my mom stayed home taking care of the kids.、Uh, grandma lived with us.、Uh, we had many dogs and cats. Our cousin lived with us. So I didn't have much growing up.、Uh, food was definitely not、uh, the moment we were all waiting for. Uh, to come together, my dad worked in factory, so very often he was bringing things from the factory, like frozen lasagna, like frozen pizza.、Mm-hmm. Uh, always buying fresh bread、uh, when we could afford it.、Uh, had like cassoulet in a can,、uh, lots of frozen stuff, frozen vegetables,、uh, canned food. Once in a while, though, Dominique got a break from the frozen lasagna when he ate at his aunt's place. I remember, like, being young. Ha- being at, at uh, my my aunt's place because she had a lot larger place. She had a, a farm that they turned into a house. So a big dinner table with probably like twenty twenty five people. I remember going there for like maybe like eleven o'clock in the morning, eating lunch until late at night, late during the day. And、mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, you're not allowed to leave the table until the adults are finished、uh, eating. So of course they eat and they drink. And then they start playing cards, so you know it's a dinner that lasts from like 
noon to like five o'clock. And then they look at each other and they're like, do you want to stay for dinner? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me quite a bit of Sunday meals I've had with Stephanie's family in France, which are, well, epic. Things get going around midday with the aperitif, a fantastic French tradition that involves hanging out, listening to music, munching on finger foods and puffed snacks while sipping drinks. Then you sit down for the first course, which is usually a light opening dish like a tureen. Then there's a soup. And then after the soup, there's a main course, which involves a meat, a starch, and some side dishes. Then you've got the salad and the cheese plate that goes around, along with bread. And then you've got dessert with coffee. Usually when we're done eating, it's like 4.30, Yeah, so we've spent basically, yeah, four to five hours eating. Or, yeah, waiting to eat, well, making space for the next course. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, how was this for you when you were like uh, a little kid, like having to be at the table for four or five hours? That was that was not fun. And, and to this day, <laughs> I mean, I like the big meals, but I think we we also did that because, I mean, more so than maybe in the in the south of France. But in the north of France, on a lot of Sundays, Sundays were gloomy, probably because it was the last day of the weekend for me. And I always felt like kind of ugh on Sundays. But um, first, we were in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing to do on Sundays. Um, So we stayed at home. But then there was, yeah, we didn't like go out either because usually the weather is not so inviting. Um, and I, I'm, I realized that I paint, um, uh, <laughs> a <gloomy> picture <laughs> of my life and what life is over there, but that's true though. That's, a, but that's my family. That's, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't like rarely go out for a walk or things like that. So basically we stay at home on Sundays and TV's on at some point, most of the afternoon. And yeah, we just eat. And I guess that's what they <laughs> did. They, I think that's what they did too. When they like my parents, when they were kids, like it was church day and then big meal and family, maybe gathering, like maybe aunts and uncles, but, and then chatting. That's, yeah. that's pretty much it. And so, yeah, for, for a kid, it's, it's not exactly fun. Like the, the the dessert for me was always exciting, but yeah. <laughs> the exciting part. Um, but yeah, um, and now now I've come to to like some aspects of that tradition. Um, but I would make it maybe if I had to make it my own, I would make it a little bit more active. <laughs> like dance party in the middle of the meal. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> no, but you know, I don't know, a little walk or games or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I remember when we when I was first exposed to this, it would yeah, the meal would go on and would wrap up at like 4:35, but then you have like dinner just around the corner and I remember at one point we were like eating like I was eating like chocolates or my post-meal yogurt. And, um, <laughs> and your mom was in the kitchen already kind of milling around and getting the food ready for dinner. 
And I was like, what the, <laughs> like, what is going on? Because like, I mean, I'm at a point now where I actually just want to be horizontal and digest, you know, but now I actually had to kind of reframe my brain to be like, okay, I guess now we're going back into eating more. Um, and yeah. on Sundays that, that could start again by an apéro if we have people over. Yes. So we right. would have two apéros in a <laughs> row. Like you're um, you're barely done with with dessert and coffee, and it's time for apéro. Grueling as they may be, one thing that Dominique and Stephanie's family meals share in common, they are top notch gastronomic experiences. My aunt was a great cook. She actually had a garden. Mm. She had some. Uh, fruits and vegetables. She had some, I remember she had like chickens and rabbits. Uh, she had some animals in there as well. She was growing a lot of vegetables. So this was something that like mocked me in, in my childhood where uh, my aunt like would grow a lot of her own vegetables and herbs, mm. just little herb garden. That was amazing. <clears throat> I think the, the one of the best thing I've ever had and I still remember to that day, she had um, uh, those uh, peaches uh, that uh, she bought the tree from Spain and we call it like like uh, peach sanguine so it's like mm. like this like blood color peach so the peach were like mm. deep deep red almost like like a beet color and they were like you know we would pick them from the tree they were like so juicy and so sweet and so flavorful she would just like take up the skin remove the pit mix them with a little bit of like red wine and sugar that's mm. it. Just a tiny, tiny bit of red wine. She will macerate this for the afternoon and we'll eat this at night for dinner. It was like one of the most like memorable, like delicious food I've, I've had growing up. Another thing that they share in common, they involve a lot of kissing, especially when you've got a room full of 20 people or more. And I remember like just the physical exercise of kissing everybody when you go into the room <laughs> was just like so much work. <laughs> and you have yeah, to. True. I would have to, have to kiss every last person. Um. <laughs> yeah, you have to. It's, it's tradition. Like pe French people are kissers. Uh, where I'm from, it's four actually. So I give four kisses to everyone. So if there's, yeah, if there's 15, 20 people, uh, adds up to a lot of kisses. <laughs> and there you have it. Northern French folks do not mess around when it comes to their family meals or their kisses. I want to play for you another track from Londigo. This song is fascinating as it is the result of a collaboration between the group and a rumba ensemble from the island of Cuba. Two island music cultures separated by oceans coming together and the result is pure dynamite. Here's Ainama by Londigo with Los Muñequitos de Matanzas. Oh 
That was Ainama by Landigo. Next up, we're going to take a step back and really get into the diversity and depth of culinary traditions across France. Stay tuned. My next guest, Chef Morisako, is one of the hottest chefs in France right now. He was born in Senegal to Malian and Senegalese parents and grew up in France. He's under 30 years old, made a name for himself as a fan favorite on Top Chef France, and he has since kicked off a TV show called Cuisine Ouverte that has drawn millions of viewers. He has also earned a Michelin star, the first in France for a restaurant that serves West African food. He is a straight-up badass. So what does a French top chef have in his refrigerator at home? As an avid fan of West African food, I was pretty excited to hear the response. In my refrigerator now, <laughs> we have a, a chebujen from my mom. Oh, <laughs> <So I don't>, no! <laughs> because I don't cook home. <laughs> I cook well for my client, but at home, I don't cook. So when I go to see my mom... Always she, she bring me some, uh, <laughs> some dish. And now <laughs> I have a big plate, a big dish of chebujen in my fridge now. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> That's the only thing in your refrigerator if I opened it up. <laughs> chebujen and some butter and, and little, little milk and juice. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, chef refrigerators at home are the saddest thing, aren't they? <laughs> my, my fridge is sad. Quick sidebar. In case you aren't familiar with the joys of chibujian, it's considered by many to be the national dish of Senegal. It's a deeply aromatic rice dish with fish and vegetables. It's kind of like jollof rice from Nigeria. Check out Season 1, Episode 4 of Counter Jam if you want to learn more about that. My mom, chibujian for me, is the best in the world. She learned uh, chibujian in Senegal because she grew up uh, in Dakar. And uh, she had this special thing, you know, when you do the chibujian, in the, um, how you say, in the, dans la casserole, <laughs> you have, is the, the rice will burn the just on the, on the bottom. This rice burn given the, to the chabujan in special flavor. So I can't do that, me. <laughs> when I, when I cook, I, I can't let it burn. So she, she do that, but it's normal. And this keep a really deep, like um, a smoky taste in the chebujen, and I can't do that. Yeah, in, in, in Korean cuisine, we call that nurungji, uh, the little burnt bottom of the rice. And it's actually yes. considered to be one of the best parts of the rice. It's uh, the best. <laughs> yeah, and my dad, you know, and as you may well know, in a lot of East Asian cultures, people really respect seniority a lot. My dad is... Oh, he's 80, almost 84 years old now. So he's old, you know, and so sometimes he will appropriate other people's nurungji at the table and we have to give it to him because, you know, that's what he wants. And um, my family too. <laughs> it was a big fight <laughs> with my brother and my sister to have this. <laughs> so I'm, I was one of the, the, the smallest in the family, so I don't have uh, this uh, really... How oh, can I say it? <laughs> I cannot have because my big brothers are more powerful than me. So my mother 
keep a little bit and and give me <laughs> it's for you Mori. <laughs> is there a, a word for that what would you call that le, le... no we don't have word <laughs> we only have fight for that well actually since you're talking about your family um as i understand it you have a pretty you're blessed to have a very sizable family yeah um yeah. how big is your family We are we are nine uh, nine children. We are, I have uh, five sister and uh, three brothers. Wow! Totally, we are eleven. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. And where do you fall in the order of the nine children? My me, I'm the the number six <laughs> of nine children. <laughs> wow! Oh my goodness! I mean, I just think about what it's like to cook for nine children, and I can't wrap my mind around that. It's like to 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 have a restaurant, but every day, <laughs> my yes. mom uh, cook for night children. You know, every everyone have a special request. Oh, I don't like fish. I don't like meat. So she just have to sh- <laughs> to shut up and eat that. <laughs> Maury grew up in a culturally diverse suburb of Paris. Here's his take on it, and note that when he uses the word Maghreb, he's referring to people of North African descent. Yeah, me. I grew up in the in the the banlieue of uh, Paris. Look, I grew up in Paris, and uh, I don't move from Paris <laughs> from uh, my birth to now. And uh, I was in the Paris, but uh, not in the in the city. I was in the little campaign, <laughs> and uh, we walk like uh, like fifteen minutes, and we have the cows. I grew up with Chinese people, some uh, Maghrebian people, and the uh, and the black wow. African like me, and everyone together. <laughs> we are all yeah. French, but we are all different. So for me, it's uh, it's a great experience, and uh, and I liked it. And for me, it's uh, vis- it's my vision of France. So we are all different. We have the French people, so we have some immigrants, but every everyone grew up. Together we go to the same school, we learn the same lesson, and at the final, it's a new French culture. Yeah, yeah. And when you were growing up with these uh, friends from all these different cultures, were you trying some of their food? Were they trying, you know, the the Malian food you had at home? So for me, yes, the the culture uh, is. Food, <laughs> in principle, so I have to go to uh, to my friend from Maghreb. I like their their food, like tagine, uh, pastilla, the uh, the shorba. Is really uh, I have to go uh, in Ramadan period to eat uh, <laughs> in their home. I say, what your mama prepare for the <laughs> for the tour, <laughs> and now I do my menu and go there <laughs> and go there. <laughs> It's a good process, <laughs> and some friends are from uh, are African too, but from the Congo and the Cameroon, and their food is really different from the West African food. In fact, the French population is really about immigration. So we have uh, first some Italian; they immigrate in France. If you have to know, the French are the After the Italy, the second uh, consumer of pizza and pasta, <laughs> <laughs> and after that you have the Portuguese, and then you have the, the the people from Maghreb, and at least you have the West African. So everyone comes there for uh, come with their own food, 
And now the, the number one preferred dish of the French people is couscous. Even Dominique's dad, the man who brought home frozen lasagna and canned vegetables, was a fan of couscous. You know, it's something funny because my dad used to make couscous growing up at home. Oh, really? Uh, we, we don't have any, any trace or, or, or origin in our family from North, Northern Africa, but we love eating it and it was good. So my dad, throughout the years, like, found a great way of, like, he, he, he studied about it. He, he bought a lot of cookbooks and found a way to make a good couscous. So you separate the, the semolina from the vegetables and the meat, and it all comes together, like, steaming, and you eat it. Like it, I mean, with the soup on the bottom, it's it's excellent. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, it's funny, yeah. I um, Steph's mom also makes couscous. It's actually the only spicy dish she makes is with the merguez, which has a touch of spice because otherwise, her family can't even handle black pepper. You know, it's just too spicy. No, no, no. French black pepper is too spicy for French people already. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love spicy food. Though. I love like really hot food, Chinese, Korean, uh, any even Thai food. I love it. I love spicy food now, but it took me some years to really develop this tolerance for, for spiciness. I have to say, if there is one weakness with French cuisine, it is precisely that. It's that the best you have is piment d'espelette. And to me, piment d'espelette is like basically a shade <laughs> above paprika. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're right. That's the only spice I can think about. I remember like talking yeah. about it like a few months ago. I was like, what spice? What spice is that in, in, in French food? The piment d'espelette is the only thing I can think about. And then, of course, like black pepper, but it's very spicy. It's like her, her family will be like, ooh, it's a peak. And then they'll open up a, a, a container full of maroil, which is like this extremely stinky cheese, and just like eat it like it's nothing. And I'm like, huh, you know, it's just, just funny. To show, it just goes to show the, you know, different, different tastes. That's <laughs> uh, very funny. Back to Maury. I love that to him, dishes like couscous, chibujan, and shawarma are French food. It's a far cry from bœuf bourguignon. Well, he didn't even know about bœuf bourguignon until he went to culinary school. I learned the traditional uh, French food in the high school. So before I go to the cuisine school, I don't cook some French, so French dish. So I have to learn all the French culture of the food. In the, in the high school. So for me, it was wow. a, a, big, <laughs> a big work to, to know how you do a bœuf bourguignon, the right wear, the blanket, because I never had to, to hit that. So cook a blanket, I never, never, never tried that. So when I go to the high school, it's my first time with the French, uh, with the French cuisine. I really feel love with that cuisine because we have a lot of techniques. So it's about tradition too. And the sauce is really important in the French cuisine. It's really the, if I, if I have to keep one thing about French cuisine, it's uh, the work for the sauce. Yeah. I have uh, Ziploc bags in my freezer of sauce bordelaise that I made, I made for my birthday uh, a few months ago. And I just love sauce bordelaise. It's one of my favorites. The, the sauce bordelaise is really uh, <laughs> a beautiful sauce. You have just to, to grill a steak. And put that. I know. And there's so much that goes into just one spoonful of that sauce, which is amazing. And this brings me to the traditional food cultures of France. One of the greatest aspects of the country's culinary identity. I asked Dominique which food cultures he would be most interested in exploring. He had just a few things to say. 
it's strange because you will think, oh, of course, you grew up in France. Like you, you try a lot of good food, but not not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southwest, all the ducks, mm. uh, all the like little earthy, earthy food, like cassoulet, uh, all the stew, uh, some like, yeah. you know, rich, like great ingredients. It's close to the Spanish border. A lot of high quality, like, you know, pork and good ingredients. Yeah. Uh, Lyon as well. Lyon is definitely like a great region. All the, the, the sausage, uh, the Lyonnaise, mm. uh, all the, the little bistro, all the like the andouille and all. Andouille is more like from, from Brittany. But uh, great food in, in Lyon as well. And uh, normally, like, you know, you have all the oysters, uh, some great seafood in North of France, the Cunyaman, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the galettes, all the galettes, uh, great butter, great cream. And I mean, it's hard. It's a hard question. I love the south of France as well. I love all the south uh, east of France, all the lemon, uh, olive oil, peaches, all the fresh mm -hmm. fruits. You know, France is like, it's so intricate because it's such a small country. It is very small. It's like smaller than Texas. Yeah. But there's high diversity of cultural like food that are specific to region. So each region has its own specialty and, and cheese. I, I don't even want to start talking about cheese. Like there's like hundreds and hundreds type of cheese in France. And if, almost every town, every village has its own cheese. And they're all so different. They're all so unique. Yeah. So yeah, tough question. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm just getting hungry like talking about it. Oh, I know. I have a friend of mine, a French friend, who actually hypothesize that you could make a fat map of France <laughs> where like there's like the olive oil region you know towards Italy there's like the like bird fat region and then there's like the pork fat region and then like a butter region um, and it kind of all lines up I, I can see that yeah you know it's, it's, you know what it's, it's good fat when it's, you, it, when it's treated the right way it's good fat for example, like, let's talk about butter for a second. Like I've been, you know, working on a new recipe for croissant for a new shop opening in New York on 27th Street. It will be opening soon. Mm. So I've been perfecting this like croissant recipe. I've imported flour from France and imported butter from France. I've tried like thousands of butter from France. Yeah. All really, really good. All so unique and different. I have to say on that note, I had an aha moment when I... I went to Brittany, which I loved. I mean, all you need to know about Brittany is they have great crepes, great cider. They have great artichokes. <laughs> they have great... Um, butter. I think they have great strawberries, great butter. And so, yeah, I went to a market and I was uh, going to this vendor who's selling beurre de barat. And the guy there, it, he made me do like a, a degustation of, of butter. Like... Just line them all up, mm -hmm. and I had never done this before because I'm a I'm an American, you know, and like I'm just I think a butter is just being something like, you know, butter is butter, right? But mm -hmm. I went down the line trying all these butters, and my aha moment was that butter can be like cheese in the same, you know, heading in the same direction of that level of sort of complexity and flavor difference and uh, textural differences. And that was really interesting, you know, when I, and I, especially when he was like talking me through all the different butters and I was just taking spoonfuls of it, of it himself and eating it. And clearly he had a lot of pride in, in the product. That to me was just amazing to see 
that, like you say, that level of tradition and specialization in these products is truly inspiring. No, you know, it, I agree with you. I think French is like a super, super rich country. It's a beautiful country. There's so much assets and, and, and culture and food, you know, that, that took centuries to, to, to perfect. And, uh, you know, when I look back, yes, you're talking about a degustation of butter. It sounds silly, but yes, yeah. it makes sense. You know, like you can have a degustation of oil, yeah, olive oil. Absolutely. Of course, a lot of people have had it before. It's, it's the same way you, you taste the wine. You look at the color, you look at the fluidity, you, you smell it, you taste it, you, you find the notes in, in, uh, in what you taste. It, it makes sense for me because I grew up with this kind of food culture where you know you get the best product and you search for the best product and you see the differences of what you can get on the market. It's the same for, I would say, for every ingredient you can think about in France. And, uh, you know, like the, the passion, the dedication that people have for doing what they do. Some people will spend their li lifetime making butter and not just like one person from generations to generations and generation. You know, whenever we, whenever we go to France, it's just so cliche, but the first thing I look forward to doing is just having a baguette with butter. And <laughs> I do, and I swear I'm not like acting this out. I, it's like this incredibly pleasurable experience for me to eat a baguette in France with butter in the morning. It's like the first, I get so excited about it. And Steph is, she kind of will, I think she gets it, but it's like, she doesn't have the same reaction. And I'm, I always tell her French people need, they, they would actually be better served if they could have a little bit of shitty bread here and there just to understand, <laughs> to appreciate like what they have, because like all, you know, is really good bread everywhere all the time, you know? Um. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. It's funny because yeah, one of the first, the first thing I look when I go back to France is also baguette and butter. I think it's like, it's, it's very important for me. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it makes, it's comfort food for me. It's like, it makes me feel good. I asked Dominique the question I ask all my guests. If you were trapped on a deserted island and you could eat only one French dish for the rest of your life, what would it be? Poor Dominique, his wide-spanning love for French food got the best of him. Oh my God, I can't do that. <laughs> one French dish? <laughs> oh my God, I, 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 it's half. One? Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of hundreds of them right now. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough question. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I, I love andouillette, mm. uh, which is like this like um, intestine sausage. So good. Uh, it's, it's very, very specific. I love tête de veau, mm -hmm. which is like cow's head. Mm -hmm. It's like in the terrain. Uh, I love tripes. I see, I can't even, I, I can't answer like just with one dish. I love Buddha. And like, I, I love French food. I really, I really, I'm a huge fan of French food. Is there one thing that you would go with? One? No, I can't. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm you'll, gonna pass. you'll raise the white flag. Okay. I, 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 can, I can give you a list. <laughs> one list. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Stephanie managed to pick a dish. A dish, I should add, that she's cooked at home many times, and I can personally verify. It is delicious. I would pick super pistou because it has pasta, it has beans, it has nice uh, flavor from the, the pistou, which is basically pesto, um, and lots of different vegetables. So I think that would be a good, a good thing to have for the rest of my life on an island. <laughs> and maybe I'd be there with you. 
And maybe we'd have a little hunk of fourme d'ambert and uh, a nice baguette. Yeah, that, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, it's cheating a little bit when I say cheese because you know I'm not gonna pick one. It has to be a different like I want access to all all the cheese. <laughs> hmm, a deserted island with a massive warehouse of cheese. That sounds like a pretty sweet place to be. And here's the dish that Mori chose. Once I get into this, we we. We named the dibisogo. <laughs> dibisogo is the grilled uh, grilled meat, beef meat. We have to cook it oh. in the in the really hard fire in the barbecue. Oh. So we have to marinate it with some uh, mustard, onion, and uh, and pepper. And when you cook it in the grill, it take a really smoky taste. And after that, oh. we just to put. Some mix of spice we named Kan Kan Kan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's from uh, Ivory Coast and just beautiful. You have the, the, the spice and you have the, the spicy and you have the little onions, you have caramelized, some, some are literally carbonate. <laughs> and it's really good. So, one, one dish is the Debisogo. And that's it. If I had to sum it all up, to me, French food is, bear with me, kind of like a blossoming tree. It's a combination of deep roots in local tradition with a beautiful spectrum of colors from its many immigrant cultural influences. And taking things back to one of the local cultures of France, as far-flung as it may be, in the island of La Réunion, here's one last track from Landigo. It's called Cosa Nena. And it's a tribute to the foods of the island. Game meats, codfish, cucumber salad, eel cooked in tomato sauce, pumpkin bean curry, and the many fruits that call the island home. It's a culinary celebration in a song, and I think it's the perfect way to close out the episode. Enjoy Cosa Nena from Landigo. As always, if you like the show, please leave us a friendly review on Apple Podcasts. Merci to our guests Dominique Ansel, Maurice Sacco, and a gros bisou to Stephanie Jacquemin. Shout out to Landigo for the bangin' tunes. Please do check them out and buy their music. The group is spelled L-I-N-D-I-G-O. Shout out to Food52, Harry Sultan, and most of all to Counter Jam's brilliant producer, Coral Lee. I'm Peter J. Kim, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Counter Jam. 